I think you have to find happiness in what you do. That's my opinion. I mean, I love going to work every day. I have the best job in the world. I get to coach this game. I get to be around young guys. I mean, I don't necessarily like all the music they listen to, but I get to be around them. They get to impact me. But I think you have to find happiness. We all have our issues, right? I would like a bigger budget. I would like a better field. I would like, yeah, we can find the negatives, but at the end of the day, find happiness in what we're doing and understanding that we have an opportunity every single day to impact somebody. What better job is that? What better job is that? You're dialed in to the ABCA's Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, connecting our coaches with some of the best baseball minds in our game. Now here's your host, Jeremy Sheetinger. answering your call as we are broadcasting from the ABCA National Office here in Greensboro, North Carolina. Welcome back or welcome to our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast, your baseball coaching source for certified audio gold and the place where you come to connect with the very best baseball minds in our game. Back in your earbuds with another tremendous Dugout Chatter episode as we highlight yet another exemplary coach from inside our association with his story of humility personal growth, a dude that firmly subscribes to lifelong learning, and a conversation that will make you proud to be part of this coaching fraternity. Find us wherever podcasts are free. Hit subscribe, leave us a review and a rating, plus share this podcast with anyone you feel like would appreciate these conversations. Connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. If you're looking for more information about what our baseball coaches fraternity here is all about, head over to our website, abca.org. Also, make sure you subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash abca1945. More videos are waiting for you on that page with much, much more to come, so get familiar over there. And if I can ever help you out in any way, please never hesitate to reach out directly to me on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3 or by email Sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca. Org. Huge thanks to our great friends and longtime ABCA partners over at Rawlings. And now you can get the pro treatment with Rawlings' newly updated online custom glove builder. You can customize your pro preferred or heart of the hide glove with endless options. You can choose your pattern, you can choose the web, the lace color, and so much more. And now you can create your own one-of-a-kind glove that matches your unique playing style. Build yours today and check out their entire product line on their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. We hope to see you join Team Rawlings today. And with that, we move on to this week's show as we head back into the Buckeye State to connect with Defiance College head coach and 23-year continuous member Derek Woodley he jumps on the call and opens up his unique journey inside the game and drops dime after dime over the entire interview. So great to connect with Woods over the airwaves, and our listeners will resonate with him right away. One of the most humble men that I know, so much so that he didn't believe me when I invited him onto the show. I mean, are you sure? You really want me to do this? Yes, Derek. And each of you will find out exactly why. It's an amazing story of growth, finding himself, in his own words, transactional early on in his career, and over time embracing the true calling of coaches, relationships, and enhancing the experiences of his players. 
You heard it for yourself when you first clicked the play button. Woods is one of those coaches that believes he hasn't worked a day in his life since he started coaching. His passion is contagious, and it's an honor to shine our light on Coach Woodley inside this episode. So let's dive in head first with Defiance College skipper Derek Woodley as he is our guest on this week's Dugout Chatter episode. And get ready, coaches. This great show is coming at you right now. Coaches, thanks for dialing into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. We're heading back into the great state of Ohio. So many great baseball guys up there. But another opportunity to connect with a loyal member inside of our association, a guy that subscribes to lifelong learning and truly one of the best people inside of college baseball. We're heading down to Defiance College, connect with the head coach, Derek Woodley. Woods, thanks for jumping on the call with us. Thanks, Sheets. This is quite an honor. I appreciate it. We are excited to connect with you. Again, we've had a lot of uh, good conversations leading up to now. Now we just got to hit the record button and show up, which I know you will. Um, but man, I want to get into right away, right into the ABCA stuff so we can get this interview going downhill because man, I think you've got so much to offer inside this conversation. So just start us there. Start us with your ABCA experience. I know you've attended a Barnstormers event. Obviously I see you at conventions every year. Just take us through what the association has been able to do for you throughout your coaching career. Well, it's, it's been unbelievable. I mean, I tell people all the time, it's my, it's honestly my Disneyland. I mean, when, when I start conventions, it's like my, it's it's my vacation and but it's a working vacation, but it's a fun vacation. It's just, it's just outstanding. I think I'm, I, I just look back. I think I've been a member of the ABCA for 23 years, which means since I was five years old, right? Jeez, I've, been a, <laughs> sure. I've been a member I'm of the ABCA. Carry the one. <laughs> yeah, <I got> <laughs> yep, exactly. And I think, I want to say I've been to 21, 20 or 21 conventions wow. and I look forward to it every year. And, and it's almost like I have, and I think I told you this last year, I have a fear of missing out. Yes. And, yes. and so I want to get to every clinic session. I want to hit the exhibits. I want to go to the, you know, the expo theater. Mm-hmm. I, I want to do all that. And there's, you know, there's not enough time to do all that, but it's, it's not, I'm not going to go down there for, and just sit in my hotel room. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down there to learn and meet people and, and, and catch up with people. And it's just an unbelievable experience. And, and um, I'm so glad I joined 23 years ago. I'm in the same boat, and I think a lot of listeners would would agree with that. Fear of missing out, FOMO, is real. Like it, it is real. Whether you call it or recognize it, it it it's forced me. You know, I got my first went to my first convention, and you you've got me by a number there. But when I'm like, I think 14 or 15 straight, when I went to my first one, that was the moment where I went, I'm never missing this. I don't care if I'm coming out of pocket, and that's you know we're trying to. Uh, and maybe you can speak to that, Derek. We're trying to kind of overcome that mentality of, well, hey, my school doesn't pay for it. So, eh, well, okay, my school never paid for it. But what I was forced to do is work an extra camp or put a little money back because I knew that if I missed out, even for those four days, you're missing out on the networking, not just you know the, the clinics, the educational opportunities. Maybe you can find your next job. Like You have all those things waiting for you for four days. And the fear of missing out, man, is real. I mean, does that hit home for you? Well- Oh, there's no doubt. And there's many times that, that the, the school I was at didn't pay for it. Sure. And like I said, it was my, it was my vacation. So whether it was camp money or some other fundraising money or, or just saving, yeah. I mean, I just found a way to get it done. And of course I, I liked it when it was in Chicago and liked it when it was in Indy and I mm-hmm. drive to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just find a way and, and, uh, you know, you, you room with six different guys and <laughs> you're sleeping on the floor and, sure. and, uh, 
but it, it's it's definitely worth it, and it's certainly helped me grow as a coach and as a person, no ah, doubt. That's fantastic. Well, thanks for the, the nod on that. We certainly look forward to seeing you in Nashville and probably be seeing you this fall out on the Barnstormers Trail. Got a little uh, – try to get you on staff there as we head back into Dayton, Ohio at Wright State. Um, but I want to go into this because your career path is, is so – unique. And I think from the small college perspective, man, I think you've seen a lot of different programs and have a wealth of perspective to draw from. You just wrapped up your 12th year there at Defiance, but take us back to where it started and run us up to current day. Well, it's, it's kind of crazy. So when I was in college, I mean, I played two years at Bethany Lutheran, uh, which was a junior college at the time. And now it's division three program. Uh, Ryan Craig's done a great job up there. He was actually my assistant for a few years. Mm. Um, and, and after playing two years, I just got right into coaching mm-hmm. and uh, was an assistant at Bethany Lutheran for, for five or six years. And I, I didn't even at the time I, I wanted to be an athletic trainer or a physical therapist. Wow. You know, I, I didn't even think about coaching, but I just, I, I, I missed the game so much. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like I was trying to live vicariously through those players. And I was like, I don't want to give up the game. I'm not good enough to play anymore. Hmm. So I'll just coach. Yeah. And Art Westfall, Art Westfall was my coach, and and uh, you know I had so much respect for him and and what he did for me um, that I just I'm like, hey, can I can I be your assistant? He said, sure. Here's four hundred dollars. I'm like, sweet, I'm rich. You know, this <laughs> sure. is this is great. And such a crazy um, after, life we live. <laughs> I know exactly. And, and after after six years, he he was also by the way he was the basketball coach the athletic director and the baseball coach at the same time. Wow. Bless his heart. No way that happens anymore. No shot. Absolutely. So, so I ended up taking over for him. Um, I finished my college, finished college at Minnesota state university and, and, uh, Minnesota state Mankato and which is where Bethany Lutheran is. And that's where I'm from. That's where I grew up. So I'm a hometown guy. Mm -hmm. And I took over the program in 1999 as a head coach. And, I was, I was 28 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. Chief. no idea. And, but, but we won, we won conference championship. My first year, we won the conference championship. My second year, my fourth year, we won a regional championship in junior college. And I'm like, why aren't the twins calling? Me? I mean, this, <laughs> well, this is too easy. Well, let me get, right? let, me ju- let me jump in there. Is, was it because the players were really good or you were smart enough to stay out of their way? Oh, uh, the players were good. Okay. The players were good. Okay. And, 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 um, but I thought I was really, really good too. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't for lack I mean, of confidence. I did. <laughs> right. I thought I was really good. And, and, uh, you know, we won a lot of games there and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, it was a great experience. And then, uh, ended up going to Manchester university and, and as an assistant coach with Rick Espeset, who's, who, who ironically is enough is from Mankato, Minnesota. We went to high school together. And now I'm on his staff at, at Manchester mm-hmm. and we go to, we go to the regional tournament. Um, that's coach I had the opportunity to coach Matt Tallarico at that time. Yep. And, uh, again, we won and it was, it was a great experience and it was a different level for me. It was division three. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, the finest college job opened up and I applied for it. I saw it as a challenge and, and, uh, came over here and my first year we won five games. So I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? I, I was just successful coach in, in Minnesota, successful at Manchester. I come to Defiance and we're terrible. Wow. And, and it was like, what am I doing? 
second year we won seven games. So, I mean, what an improvement, right? Yeah. Five wins, seven games, seven wins. I mean, we're on our way. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but, it, but, you know, slowly but surely we've improved. And I, I think my path, I mean, certainly we haven't won national championships or anything like that, but I feel like my path in coaching has almost worked in reverse. Usually guys, a lot of times you struggle early mm-hmm. and then you get better and better and better. Well, from a win-loss standpoint, I had some success as a coach early. But I think I took it for granted in coming to Defiance. We're going to Manchester. Coming to Defiance has totally changed the way I coach. And I'm a much better coach now than I was at Bethany Luther. No question about it. Wow. No question about it. And I, and I am so appreciative for, for obviously my time at Bethany, but also my time at Defiance because I've learned so much. And it's, it's been crazy. And during that time, too, I mean, I coached in the Northwoods League, coached in the American Legion teams. Mm-hmm. In Minnesota, town team baseball is really, really big. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know anything about amateur baseball in Minnesota, but it's a bunch of old dudes and college guys yeah. that play in the summer, and it's, and it's, it's huge. Yeah. And so I did that for a number of years, too. So I've coached a lot of games, but I would say after I left Minnesota is where I really grew as a coach, but I've experienced a lot and I'm so thankful for every one of my experiences in coaching and for, for someone who didn't even know he wanted to coach and just did it because he wanted to stay around the game. It's just been incredible. And I tell people all the time, I've never had a real job, mm. never had a real, except maybe in high school when I delivered pizzas. Yeah, that was, that was real. <laughs> that was real, but I haven't had a real job in, in it. It's, I mean, I wouldn't change my, my path for anything because I've learned so much. Gosh. Well, you know, I know you're a loyal listener, so this makes it easy, but I think the other loyal listeners that are paying attention to this, they have picked up right away why you're an easy choice for this podcast. It's going to be transparent. It's going to be full of humility, but more than that, man, just in an effort to help grow listeners and, and challenge them to keep getting better, hitting really certified audio gold so far. But let's keep this thing going because I think I want to dive into back to what you said a second ago about who you were as a younger coach and, and, and maybe, you know, getting the transition to coming to Defiance changed you, but who were you as a, as a younger coach? Who was that dude? And then how have you grown inside the space there at Defiance? Well, i tell you what I was. It, it, I was completely transactional. Completely. Yep. So what, what mattered to me was, did we win? Everyone wants to win. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be successful. Mm-hmm. But it was almost like, okay, what is my quote going to be in the newspaper? How do I look? Sure. It was all about, it was all about me. And I didn't realize it at the time, you know, and I thought I knew everything. And, um, when I, when I got to, honestly, when I got to Manchester and, and I, I would say Matt Tallarico really changed me as a player because we spent a lot of time together mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I mean, he's a cage, he was a cage rat. Yeah. So I, I was working with him all the time and, and it on me like you know what relationships are really really important with players hmm. because Matt trusted me and then all of a sudden other players trusted me and that helped me understand that it's not about me because it's, yeah. it's not it's about the players and what they're what they experience and I'm not saying the players at Bethany Luther didn't enjoy it I, I'm sure they did but I didn't get to know them I don't have I didn't have the, those relationships that I do now with my mm-hmm. player and that really shaped me. So when I was younger, it, it was, it was me. It was me. Now 
it's the complete opposite. I mean, you know, I, it's about the players and their experience and how can I make their experience at Defiance College really, really good. You know, I get really stressed out when it comes to designing practice. Why? Because I want it to be perfect for them. I want them to leave practice with a smile on their face. I want them to look forward to coming back the next day. I want it, you know, and, 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 but at the same time, I want to get to know them. I want, I want it to be important for them because it, it's all, it's about them. And without them, we wouldn't have jobs. We wouldn't have jobs. And so let's make it the best for them. Now, it doesn't mean I'm going to show up and do magic tricks and juggle. You know, practice. I've seen you do it. It's pretty good, but still. I mean, yeah, I, 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 dab, I dabble in the magic. It's not a time or place. <laughs> but it's like, how can we, how can we impact them? And and honestly, at the same time, we I want I want them to impact me. Mm-hmm. I want them to impact me. And so it's a it's a give and take. It's about communication. It's about relationships. It's about trust. It's and that's what I've learned over the years. And so as a younger coach, I didn't. I didn't know it for me. It was about mechanics. It was about hitting drills. It was about doing as many things as we can in practice. It was keeping them busy, which I still believe in a lot of those things, but I was, yeah, I look back and I just want to, you know, slap myself across the face because I was, I wasn't doing it the right way. That's, I heard somebody mention this on another podcast. They said, if you could go back and talk to your, younger self, what would you say? And, you, and the guy, and I completely resonate with this. He said, well, the first thing I do is I punch that dude right in the face because <laughs> there's right. nothing more I'd want to do than, than talk to my 22 year old self and go, dude, you're so far off. I don't want to turn this into a psychiatrist, you know, couch here, but how do you, cause I, this is, you just, you just completely laid out at least personally for me, my path of being transactional and then now moving away from it, getting into understanding what really matters, which is others and serving others. How do you work against your ego? How have you, what, what works for you? What makes the most sense for you in terms of how do we, how do we die to that? And I think there's a coach listening to this going, man, I'm, I'm probably right there and I need to make this change as well. So what's, what would you offer to him to maybe help him uh, fall over the fence the right way? Well, I think, and I, I think I, hopefully I answered this correctly, but I think when you look at it, we have to look at why do we do what we do? Mm-hmm. You know, and it certainly for me, it's not about me. It's I do it because I want to impact somebody else. I want to be selfless. And that's not just in coaching. Yeah. You know, I tell our players all the time, every day, every time we come in contact with somebody, we're going to influence them positively or negatively. Mm-hmm. We're going to have an impact on them. So as a coach, my job, in my mind anyways, is to impact our players positively. So you have to get your ego out of the way. I still want to be successful, right? I still want to win baseball games because in coaching, that's how we're judged a lot of times, you know, and, and, but it's so much bigger than that. So if you can take that ego out of it and and make it less about you and more about the players, I think that helps with that. And I, hopefully that answers your question, but, but I just, I just, and I've learned that so much over the years and just watching others and listening to other people and uh, reading that's just helped me understand what leadership is all about. Do you have moments where it rears its ugly head? In what way? Uh, just, you know, the ego kind of comes back a little bit like, Hey man, Hey, I'm still here. You know, cause I, as much as you try to push it into a corner at times, if you turn your back for a second, at least this is my own you know, personal struggle, but you look at it and you go, 
man, I got it. I got it covered. You're good. Stay over there. And you turn your back and you get back to work. And then all of a sudden it's right behind you. And you're like, Hey man, I told you to stay over there. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever have moments like that where it kind of wants to creep up on you? You have to push it back in, in its place. I think every time you compete, oh. honestly, for me, you know, it's, yes. I mean, you're in the middle of a game and, and, and you know that it's, you want to win that baseball game and, 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 you know, your players, maybe they're not performing or they're not doing something. And it, I think that's when your ego creeps in because mm-hmm. you're like, wait a minute, if we lose this game, this is on me. This is on me. This doesn't look good. So it's, I think it's a constant battle. It's right. a constant battle. Gosh, and, so good. Um, but you have to be able to balance it. And by no means, I mean, I don't like to lose. Yeah. You know, if, if you and I were playing Euchre right now, I'd want to beat your brains in. <laughs> You would, because I don't know how to play Euchre, so (laughs) you'd win. Perfect. Let's play. Let's play. Um, But at the end of the day, that's not how I don't think we're going to be judged. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. And and honestly, I've learned that through you, through your podcast, through all these other great coaches that have been on the podcast, and then through my reading. It's just, it really helps me put things in perspective a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's well. The podcast has been my saving grace in a lot of regards, man. And uh, I'm certainly right there with you. I will not push back, but I will try to reframe something for you that that's really helped me in terms of understanding impact. I agree with you 100%. I think every person you walk into, uh, whether it's the gas station attendant or the stewardess on the airplane or your player, uh, you have the opportunity to affect them in some way. We call it impact. I think impact should be recognized. Uh, I'm putting my, my foot down on this as the end result. At the end of the day, when you add it all up, that equals impact. What we're making each day and what you're making as a coach is you're contributing. So how are you making a contribution? Is it a positive one or a negative one each and every day to the overall impact when your time with that player is up or your time on earth is up? Do you subscribe to that? Oh, no question about it. No question about it. And one of the things that really helped me was listening to uh, Coach Dex. I think he references that a lot. His podcast, his book, his video. That I mean, listening to him and his story really impacted me as well. And, yeah. and you know, just their competitions that they do. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Yeah. You know, where where that that will impact. And we we implemented that. Did you, know? you really? And so yeah, absolutely. So mm. when our I ask our players how they're doing, I and when they say good, how are you? And I say good. They're like, uh, Coach, you're supposed to say great. You know, and I'm like, oh, that's right. You beat me. Darn it. You know, and and so. Just things like that. And yep. That's just, that's, that's shaped me. It's absolutely shaped me. Fantastic. Well, thanks for opening up that conversation. I think inside that there's a lot to be taken away that our listeners will resonate with. Now, I want to get into real quick this season because this was, again, timing being everything. This really, for me, brought you off the short list into the, the, the starting lineup and bringing you to the podcast because you guys went, again, defying the odds and turned a season into literally the most successful one you've had there in over two decades. And the beauty of it becoming uh, picked last in the conference and certainly that being a rally cry. But even you and I talking the other day, man, you had more ups and downs inside this this season that really accentuated and put the exclamation points on what really happened there for you guys. Can you just lay out for us what that looked like inside this season? Yeah, it was really it was really crazy. And, and I, I thought coming into the year, I thought we had a chance to be be pretty good. We had a good senior class mm-hmm. had played a lot of baseball. So we had a really good fall productive. We have a bunch of smart dudes, um, you know, three, four GPA guys and, yep. and it's a team. And it was just, I, I knew we had a foundation and we've been close. 
we've been close, right? Mm-hmm. And a game or two away, and 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 this group is very very committed to to getting to the conference tournament. And so when the preseason poll comes out, we all we all know what preseason polls mean. Absolutely nothing, <laughs> sure. You know whether you're first or last, but but they they were offended. And I remember the first day of practice or when the polls came out, um, I said, Coach, did you see the preseason poll? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, we're picked last. That's unbelievable. And I said, well, let's do something about it. Yeah. And so it was really on them. I didn't I didn't do anything. It was them. And they, they were just really, really motivated. So um, our, our winter workouts were outstanding. Outstanding. And, and when we started to play, you could just, that they were really committed to proving some people wrong. And so, you know, we start in Florida and, and uh, right away we've got some adversity. Our number one pitcher, second start down there, um, he comes out with an elbow. Turns out he needs Tommy John surgery. So there's a guy that was a first-team all-conference pitcher, our number one guy, who is out for the year. So now we're going, well, here we go. Uh, but we talk a lot about dealing with adversity yep. and you know, I'm hoping that we're prepared. Um, at the same time, our starting shortstop isn't with us. He's not on our spring trip. He's he's in the middle of student teaching. The spring breaks don't line up. So now we're going down to play eight games against some really good competition without our starting shortstop. Gosh. Well, oh, well, we look at it as an opportunity. Well, we get some other guys in, some other guys. We get to move some people around. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was positive. Next thing you know, our starting second baseman goes out with an injury. Our center fielder out with an injury. Our left fielder injury. Right fielder injury. So we're piecing things together all year. And and, and we loaded up our schedule. I mean, we're playing the Baldwin Wallaces. We're going up to Carthage. We're playing Ohio Northern. We're playing Heidelberg. And because I knew this team had a chance to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, we're not going at them with our, with our you know, full, full uh, a lot of bullets. But we just hung them. And then we finally get people healthy at the end of the year, and we have to win three out of our last four games minimum to to have a chance to get in the tournament. Yeah. And we go down to Franklin, who's one of the best teams in our region, sure. and we sweep we sweep them at their place. We get up ten nothing. I'm like, what is happening? Sure. We we hold out. We 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 held on eleven to ten. So it wasn't <laughs> like it was, you know. And then, then we win game two, and now we're one win away from, from clinching a spot in our tournament, and we play Mount St. Joe. It's a, it's a make-up game because of rain. We play out Defiance High School, and we win two, and it was the most unbelievable thing. And, again, may seem like a small thing, just qualifying for your conference champ, conference tournament. For us, it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And because we talk about it all the time, if you get in your conference tournament, you have a chance you have a chance. And I was so proud of our guys. And I'm telling you what, I've never cried so much. Uh, I shouldn't say never cried so much in my life, but in baseball, I cried. I felt so good wow. for our player. And, and it was, so, it meant so much to them. Um, and it was just incredible. It was just incredible. So it, it was a lot of fun and we did have some adversity. Everyone goes through it. Um, but, I think the motivating factor was we were picked to finish last, and those guys didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. So, I mean, it was outstanding. Send the shout-out to your BSN rep for those sweet T-shirts that showed up on your front door. Yeah, yeah, Rob Held is a, is a D.C. baseball alum, and 
he and I have gotten really close. He is with BSN and we show up to the hotel and he's got t-shirts made for us. And on the back, it's got the preseason poll and hashtags <laughs> here. So it was, it was, it was pretty sweet. Our guys were pretty jacked up about That's it. Outstanding. Well, inside the season, I didn't realize this, man, you, you caught your 300th win. You want to tell that story real quick? Well, yes and no. I don't really <laughs> want to, but I will let you ask. Okay. But, um, the game that the game that we clinched to 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 uh, get our tournament berth um, apparently was my 300th win, and I didn't realize it at the time. But later on that day, someone asked me how many games I've won as a head coach, and of course I'm like, I have no idea, but I know I've lost a lot. <laughs> and and uh, so I just happened to count up, and and lo and behold, that game that we clinched was was the 300th win of my career, and so it was just a lot of irony made it really that much more special and and certainly milestones i'm not big into milestones personal but you know it, it felt good and and uh i know our players were pretty excited about that as well pretty awesome i want to go into this topic because this is something i didn't realize until we talked that you did move into a different role this year not only were you head baseball coach but you're getting a little taste of what your your old coach went through i mean you were putting on the athletic director hat as well as on an interim basis and so Doing that, I think, I think for most coaches, when we talk global approach and we talk about this at convention, I feel like redundant every year inside these coaching meetings of, hey, keep in mind, if you have solutions or you have even ideas that start and you want to turn them into solutions that can help change the landscape of our level, you have to keep in mind, man, it has to come from a global approach. You cannot make a pure baseball decision because an athletic director hears that but immediately moves it to, well, how does this affect soccer, softball, volleyball, our basketballs, our footballs? They have to make sure that the moving pieces fit the really the the movement inside the athletic department. So you moving into that big chair and putting that hat on and forcing yourself to really take into account the different dealings within the other sports, how did that change you? Did it change your perspective? Did it help you see things a little more clearly? What do you think? I, I don't know if it, it changed me. Fortunately or unfortunately, I've been in that chair before. Okay. Um, I was an interim at Defiance for, for one year earlier in my career, too. And at Bethany, I served as an athletic director, too. But So I don't know if it changed me, okay. but it reiterated the fact that, you know, you're right. It's it's about everybody. Yeah. You know, I think, I'd like to think that I'm a very selfless person. I care about others more than myself anyways. So I think that helps me in this role because, I do look at the at the big picture and the greater good for the entire athletic department. So when when we when we do make a decision, I have to be careful that I'm not just impacting baseball. I want to impact everything. I want yeah. every every program at Defiance to to do really really well. And so how can we do this together? And so I think it's just reiterated the fact that I have to have big picture view on everything and not just this myopic view of just the baseball program. Yeah. And I'd like to think that I'm not like that anyways, but but I want to be very careful and, and very cognizant of the fact that, yes, I'm the baseball coach, but currently the athletic director, I have to, I have to think about everybody else too. And, and uh, um, I think that fits my personality, quite honestly. And, mm-hmm. and uh, um, you know, it, but it's helped me. It's helped me understand. And honestly, from a coaching perspective, I think it's helped me too because, because I, you know, I probably watch, I always watch coaches, but I like watching coaches from other sports. And this has helped me do that even more yeah. watching our basketball coaches, our football coach, our softball coaches, and just see how they do things. And, and, uh, it's still about helping people, 
no matter where you're at. And I think it allows me another platform to maybe help some people as well. Sure. But it's, uh, it's, it's been challenging um, because it wasn't expected, but it's been a lot of fun too. And, uh, but also challenging. I want to still say it's challenging. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, we can, for those that haven't been in that chair, we can only imagine uh, there's, there's certainly a, a more duties that end up falling on your desk. Um, you know, knowing what I know about the Heartland Conference, and again, growing up in Frankfurt, right next door to Lexington, Transylvania being right there, I hate to even tell you this, but right now I am wearing a pair of, of transy baseball shorts. Um, so I hope, you know, but I'm trying to bring the Heartland, you know, I'm trying to really push forward the conference until you send me more gear. Um, so I was going to say, that's basically what you're saying is would send me some I gear. Mean, it, I mean, I'm just putting them in quotations. I didn't really want to say it out loud. I just in quotations means, <laughs> Hey, I need jackets gear. Um, purple looks <laughs> good on me. Um, but knowing what I know about the Heartland conference and, and that's certainly who they are on the division three landscape. You know, I've seen a lot of games, man. I've, I've seen Franklin's I've competed against the Franklin's I've competed against the transies never get to play you guys, but I've, I've seen Bluffton. I've seen all those, those guys in action, Rose Holman's, but what has always been said when, whether it's in conversations with coaches or what I know about the conference is no matter where you guys were, man, when you play defiance, they're going to be competitive. That, that has certainly been a staple of your program, but even recently you felt like you were able to dial up the competitiveness that showed up inside your practice plan. You mind detailing that for us? Well, yeah. And I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves on is, is, is competing. And, you know, again, this is based on my coach speak, but we talk all the time guys, you have two things you can control, your attitude and your effort. And we're going to go out there every day and we're going to play as hard as we can. And I think our program has received more and more respect over the years because of the way we play, because of the way we respect the game. Mm -hmm. And I think um, people don't take us, you know, when they play defiance college, I don't think they take that for granted anymore. They know they have to compete. Mm -hmm. And and I I will share this with you, Sheets, and this is – it, it was the most amazing experience. So when we, we were at the conference tournament, we, we got eliminated by Rose Holman, who's really, really good. Yes. And at the, end, at the end of the game, the public address announcer said, you know, I'd like, you know, let's, let's congratulate Defiance College on their, on their uh, season and their, their, their run in this tournament. And it, it was the most surreal moment in my life because I looked up, and of course our fans were clapping and standing. But Rose Holman fans were clapping and standing, and Franklin fans who were waiting to play the winner of that game were clapping and standing. Wow. And and that was I, – I talked to our players after the game. I said, did you guys see that? Did you see that? And, of course, they did. And I said, that is the impact you made on these people. Yep. The way that you played the game, the way that you got on and off the field, how hard you played with class, it was amazing. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And so, I mean, I appreciate that comment because I think that's what we want to try to do in our program is play the right way and, and impact people yeah. with how we play. Yeah. And if at the end of the day we win, awesome. If at the end of the day we lose, so what next pitch? Let's get them tomorrow. And, um, you know, that was just that was just an amazing experience for me in our program and how far our program has come. Yeah. And in just hopefully our players will remember that moment. Yes, they were sad because we lost, but there's so many positive takeaways, and and that's what I want them to remember. 
Yep, there's that first one of the day where the hairs stand up on your arm. I appreciate that. That's a that's a really cool <laughs> moment. I'm serious. That's a really cool moment, man. Um, yeah. And I think it's evident, man. Your 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 peers wanted to acknowledge you as co-coach of the year within the conference. I think that says a lot more than just an award you can put on your desk. Woods, thanks for talking us through that. I think there's so much inside that that can be taken away for anyone listening to it. But now the back half of the show, I want to get into the, kind of the staple questions that allow us to really draw comparisons across all the different levels that we interview and, and have a listener go, man, that guy sounds like this guy sounds like this guy. Because again, successful coaches, those are subscribing to lifelong learning. Those that are constantly trying to find the better way, they really try to think pretty, uh, pretty linear with each other. So what's something that you've read, watched, or heard recently that's really challenged you? It's really got you to your core, making you think differently. Oh man, there's, there's so many things. I mean, so many, so many things have impacted me. I mean, b- believe it or not, since I've gotten old, <laughs> I'm not that old, but since I've gotten older, uh-huh. I mean, I've read so many books. And I, I, you know, anytime I read a John Gordon book, I am so motivated mm. and, you know, that, you know, I, I knew you were going to ask that question and I just, there's so many things that, I mean, John Gordon, I mean, your podcast challenged me every day when, when, you know, this past weekend I was, I was with Mike Deegan from Denison. Yeah. You want to talk about someone that challenges your thinking? Yes. Holy cow. Mike Deegan challenges your thinking. Yeah. I mean, just listening to him talk, I feel like I'm a better person. Mm-hmm. Um, Craig Rainey, same thing. I mean, just those people in, and uh, so I don't know if there's one specific thing that's challenged me. I'd like to think that every day I wake up, I'm, I'm going to be challenged because I want to learn. Hmm. I want to learn. Um, and that's, that's where I'm at in my life. Is I want to be challenged because I think if, if, if it's easy, then we're not growing. But if we're being challenged, man, we are learning so much. And that, that's what I tell our players too is, if we make practice easy, you're not, you're not growing, yeah. but if I make it hard for you, you're growing. So I don't know if I can pick out one thing. There's just so many things sheets that, yeah. I mean, when I talk to, when I talk to you, I'm challenged because mm. your personality and, and, and the things that you've done for the ABCA, it's like, I want to get better. I want to, I want to be like sheets. <laughs> I want to oh. be like Mike, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the first ever Michael Jordan comparison. I will take that. Yeah. I will run with it. Yeah. That is the, that's my standing ovation right there. I'll take that one to the bank. (laughs) No, I trust me, man. It it is a, uh, I'm right there with you. And and that, and that's when I talk to guys like you and you get to talking through these moments and you, I'll just go back to humility. I go back to the ability to really be authentic. And I think that's one of the biggest compliments anyone could ever say about you is that, man, that dude's authentic. Like you get what you get. You like it. Sweet. If you don't, you got to move on because that dude ain't changing. Like, you know, I used to always try to say uh, out in, in coaching circles, like, hey, man, you, you should get down with me. I'm a pretty good dude. But if you can't, there's probably something wrong with you. You know, because yeah. I mean that but that's where you want to you want to try to really attract people that are willing to get down like you and I have a lot like Talarico and I do and a lot. It's like he does with you as well. You get down to that human level of, hey, man, I'll be honest with him. I'm a level with you. I'm not really good at this. And so do you have anything that can help me out? Like you said, coach Deegan, we start talking back and forth and it's like, man, I could be really a lot better at this. Like, thanks for that conversation because you're now showing me the way, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even like deeper than that, I mean, if you, if you want to talk specific things, like things that have challenged me, I mean, 
the technology in today's game, that's a challenge. Yes. That's a challenge, right? And, and the, whether it be hit tracks or rap soda or whatever, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about that, mm-hmm. and I, but I want to learn. I want to I talk to people who do those things. Um, but, you know, Matt Tellerico challenges me every time I talk to him yes. because he's such a deep thinker mm-hmm. and he's just throwing ideas off me that it, it motivates me mm-hmm. because I want to help Matt. I want to help Matt. He wants to help me. And we talk probably two, three times a week, if not more, you know, and, and because I think we challenge each other. And Rick Espeset from Manchester, mm-hmm. same thing. We talk a lot. I mean, I could go on and on, but that that's what's fun about this profession in, in this organization is you get to do that. That's it. Oh, boy. Okay, keep rolling downhill here. What's the one moment that you'll hold on to forever in baseball? Well, I'm a – to take a little Brian Kane, I'm mm-hmm. a 200 foot mentality guy. So okay. I, um, I think of like recent things and, and honestly for me, the, the story I just told you about getting beat at Rose Holman mm-hmm. and just seeing the fans that, that, that touched me so much. And it, it's uh, I will never forget that. I will never forget that. I mean, I, I that was so special to me and it, it, uh, it was just so impactful, yeah. so impactful. Just, seeing those people clap and, and not only that, but our alums, um, our alums were so fired up when we made the tournament. I mean, just people reaching out, friends mm-hmm. reaching out, former players reaching out. It, it's just incredible. Incredible. It's better than any trophy, man. Um, what's <laughs> no doubt. What is the one moment in baseball that you wish that you had back? I would say this I'm, I'm going I'm to answer it this way. Early in my coaching career, I wish I could have that back. Oh, because yeah. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was as good as I could have been. However, however, I'm glad I went through that because I wouldn't be who I am today mm-hmm. if I wouldn't have experienced that. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but I wish I, wish I would have done some things differently. And like I said, we were successful. So you look at it, you go, what are you talking about? But I just, I didn't do it the right way. I didn't do it the right way as as good as I could have done it. Um, but I, I would want that back. I think. Yeah. Well, like, like a lot of us, um, you, you mentioned earlier the conversation piece and certainly you're a talker and, and I guess why we're brothers from another mother, but, um, how are you engineered as a learner? I know you're a podcaster, you're a reader and a conversationalist. How do you interpret some of that stuff that comes from it? And then how do you apply it? I think that's another follow up to that. So how are you engineered? But then again, how do you take it and apply it? to really enact positive change on your end. Yeah, I would say, I would say all the above. Yeah. I mean, I love to read. If, if my mom were still alive today and she heard me and she, and I said, I'd love to read. She'd be like, wait a minute. What, what did you just say? You'd love to read. <laughs> That's not my son. <laughs> That's not my son. I've read more in the last 10 years than I have my entire life. Wow. You know, it, it just, I have so many books and, and just, you know, I, I listen to a podcast and someone references a book. I go on Amazon, and I order it hmm. because, you know, fear of missing out. Yeah. yeah. FOMO, right? Yeah. I want to know what they know. Um, podcast, the best thing that's ever happened, whether it be the ABCA podcast, Entre Leadership, yeah. uh, Brett McCabe, you name it, on and on and on. Podcast. You know, I'm on the road a lot. So, especially with today's technology, Bluetooth, hooking into a car is perfect, yes. right? Yes. Listen to podcasts. Or, or Dave Matthews, it just depends what mood I'm in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, conversations. Lo- I mean, I-, I love talking baseball, 
in leadership, but more importantly, I love listening about baseball and leadership because I want to learn. I want to learn. And so how do I take all those things? Well, I think you take bits and pieces and you, you use what fits within your personality. Mm -hmm. I can't be Matt Tallarico. I can't be Rick Esposet. I can't be Tom Held at the Fines High School. I can't be Jeremy Sheetinger, but I can take those things and if it fits in my personality, in, in my philosophy, then we're going to try to do it because it's about getting better and getting our players better. So I think you have to sift through a lot of things, you know, just because you go to a convention and you hear Kai talk about infield play, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it's going to work for our program. Now, a lot of us things do, don't get me wrong, but, but, you know, you have to sift through it and use what you can. And, you know, so it fits in your personality and philosophy. Yeah. I'll give you a, comment that my wife made me uh, about a week ago mowing the grass and I put the headset on and I'm podcast all the time, whether I'm working out or, uh, cutting grass or working in the yard, it is, it's some sort of podcast. And I don't know what particular one I was into. I'm guessing it was probably like finding mastery of Michael Gervais. I think he's one of the best interviewers out there, period. So I'm trying to get better in that space, but it was just the conversation was so, I think it was with, uh, it was with Julie Foudy, who, you know, Olympic gold medalist soccer yeah. player, and she is just really breaking it down in her thoughts. And, you know, just it was it was so deep and I was so entrenched in it. And she said she came out and and now I'm, I'm striping my yard. I double cut the backyard. I double cut the front yard. I'm striping it. I'm making it look really nice. I got a roller on the back of my push mower like I'm I'm overboard baseball coach, uh, you know, husband, suburban dad. But. She goes, man, I literally could have drove the car through the yard and hit you and you never would have seen me because you were so locked in. What were you listening to? And then you have to explain, well, I'm listening to this podcast and it was this and it was so deep. And she goes, yeah, but what are you doing with that? She's not a podcaster. So I think the minute you cross over into it and then you start to realize, man, if I can still do what I'm doing, but get lost in this conversation and, and, and I, I'll offer this to you, man. I, I think you can pull more from a show when you fight to find empathy, not just sympathy, but like empathy. You try to get into their shoes and, and almost learn through their experience. You take so much back. You you just, you end the call and you're like, Oh my gosh, that, that makes sense. And I can apply that to what I do now, or uh, that makes sense why I think this way or did that. Um, and it's just funny when you do find the beauty inside of a podcast or an audible interview, there is so much to take away learning, uh, back and forth conversation, listening versus you know waiting to talk, all those different things, right? Oh, no, no doubt. And two things with that: one, when you're working out and you're listening to a podcast, you don't even realize you're working out, so that's a bonus, yeah, yeah, right? No doubt. I mean, you're on you're on the you're on the elliptical, and all of a sudden, an hour later, you're like, oh, sweet, that workout was great. <laughs> sure, you know, so you don't even realize that. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that I've that I've started to do, especially in my role as athletic director is I will send podcasts out to our coaches. That's awesome. Whether it be ABCA podcast, Hunter Leadership, mm-hmm. Brett McCabe, whatever it is, I'll send them out because um, there's so much, so many takeaways, like you said, that you can mm-hmm. get out of them and you can, you can go in their shoes. And, and it, might be a, it might be a business podcast, but you can relate that to coaching yeah. because it's leadership. Yeah. It's leadership. 100%. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be just about baseball at all. I think you, I think you just prompted me that either within our friendship or maybe we start a group that shares really good podcasts with each other. 
Oh, that'd be awesome. Let's be uh, let's see if we can't move that forward. That 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 will be a action item coming out of this particular podcast. Um, okay, take us into this. Keep this thing rolling. Keep us into the uh, or take us into the best people you've been around in baseball. What qualities about those folks? What makes them successful? What makes them the best? What makes that you want to highlight them on the show? What qualities rise to the top inside that group? Oh, I would say desire, motivation, mm. uh, deep thinking, knowledge, calm. I think calm is really important for mm. me. Um, a guy like like Rick Espeset, who's a huge friend, big friend, huge mentor, he's so calm when he coaches. Mm-hmm. And when I worked with him, I was like, I mean, when I first started coaching, I don't know if you were like the sheets, but I mean, I wore a pack in the dugout oh, at the third base box, <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> no, it was, it was ridiculous. And there's no way that helped our players. No, there's no way. Pacing behind your players up and down while they're on the rail. They don't like that. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and, uh, so, but he's so, he's so calm, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the motivation, like, again, I've referenced Rico a lot, Matt Tellerico, but his motivation, his desire to succeed is just incredible. The the deep thinking from other coaches, um, organizational skills, all those things I think are Mm. so important. And then, and then you get, you've got the, you know, trust, the loyal, all those things as well. I mean, those are such key qualities as a coach. and, And for me as a leader that I look to and, uh, um, those uh, just incredible. Those are, I mean, there's so many, you know, whether it be Rico or Deegs or, or Tom Held or Matt Palm, Craig Rand, you, you name it, those guys had all those and they still do. And, and I look up to them so much. It's, it's, uh, it has such an impact on my life. That's fantastic. Okay. Here's a couple quick hitters here. And again, give us the, the fill in the blank, but a little bit of explanation to let us know why you arrived at that. And the first one is one thing you need to work on is. Uh, I would say communication, okay. communication. Um, I've worked really hard at it, um, but still I find myself in practice settings. Sometimes I go too fast. I may not explain myself well enough. I still need to work on that. And, and I did have, interesting. we talk about practice organization or, or communication in practice. Mm-hmm. One of my biggest takeaways this year was from the ABCA. I think it was, it might've been Butch Chapin. Yep. Um, when he got it, he was on the main stage, right? Mm-hmm. And he was talking about practice planning and he was a guy that was time, you know, 10 minutes in this, you yeah. know, three twenty to three thirty, three forty to three fifty five, And I, I, I'm like that. Yeah. Okay. I'm like that. But my takeaway was, he said, you know, try going away from that and just listing things and you'll find that you're not as like paranoid about the time. Mm. And so we did, I did that this year. Mm-hmm. I would just list some things. It helped me so much to just calm down and slow down. Yeah. It helped me so much. And I, I used to tell our players that, you know, cause we post our practice schedule and, and I said, Hey, if, you know, now this is going to sound really bad, but I said, if, if I go down with like a heart attack or something, just roll me off <laughs> practice schedule is posted. You guys will be fine. Cause it was so detailed. Sure. You know, Mike Deegan, Mike Deegan detailed. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it still is, but I've just taken away some of the times now and we just list things and that has really helped me. I mean, but I think the communication is still really important and, and, and then just communication with players. I mean, that's still hard, right? Yeah. You take a guy out of the lineup, you know, a lot of times we just ignore it. We don't tell them why, 
um, were taking them out of the lineup. We just assume that they know. Well, they may not always know. They may not always know. It's obvious to us, but it may not be obvious to them. And, um, you know, those things I still want to work on. So that, that, I would say communication. Long answer to that question. Yeah, communication. but I'm glad you did, man. There's some details in there that, that are fantastic. I, where was that Butch presentation five years ago? Because I needed to hear that as well. I'm the same, right, man. Right. Minute by minute, second right. by second. Um, the key to success is? I think you have to find happiness in what you do. Oh. It, it, that's my opinion. I mean, I love going to work every day. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I, I Like I said, I don't have a, I, I have the best job in the world the best job in the world. I get to coach this game. I get to be around young guys. I mean, I don't necessarily like all the music they listen to, but I get to be around them and they get to impact me. But I think you have to find happiness. We all have our issues, right? I would like a bigger budget. I would like a better field. I would like, yeah, we can find the negatives, but at the end of the day, find happiness in what we're doing and understanding that we have an opportunity every single day to impact somebody. What better job is there? What better job is there? And that's what we try to stress for our players, too. Find happiness in everything that you do. You know, we, we talk a lot about, uh, and this is a Brian Kane thing, I think, but but a have-to versus get-to mentality. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Yes, or, absolutely. Uh, in my office on the wall, it says get-to. I mean, we get to do this. Mm-hmm. You, get to, you get to go to class. You get, I mean, it's, it's so... That's a positive mentality. Having to go to work, having to go to practice, that's negative. That's negative. No, let's, let's be positive. Let's, let's, we get to do this. Because the reality is our players' window of playing is shutting really fast. Mm-hmm. It's closing really fast. When, when, you're, when we were six years old, that was a big French door, man. It was wide open. It was wide open. Now it's closing. So let's do it to the best of our ability and let's take advantage of it. I'm going to start calling you Chris Paul for the amount of dimes that you're dropping inside of this interview. <laughs> I'm just telling you, you just went through a name change in my book. I'm going to change it in my phone. Every time you call, it's CP3 because you are dime after dime after dime. Um, <laughs> take us into this one, man. In the end, and I think I know where you'll go with this, in the end when our careers are over, it's all about what? The experience our players have had. It is. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about. And again, when I first started, it wasn't about that. It was about my win-loss record. Mm-hmm. But now it's about their experience. You know, when 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 we when we ended our season and we had a bunch of tears flowing, I don't think it was because they lost. It was because they weren't going to be with that group anymore, mm-hmm. and the friendships that they had, and that's part of the culture, right? Yeah. It's part of their experience. If you can foster that culture with your guys, that's the important thing. The, the, the very first thing I say to our players in the fall, aside from welcome, is look around this room. Some of these guys will be your best friends and they will be in your wedding. And these new guys are like, wait a minute, dude, I don't even know this guy sitting next to me. <laughs> sure. you know. But by the end of the fall, they become best friends. Mm-hmm. By the end of their four years, years they don't want to leave each other that's what it's about that's what it's about so it's about their experience and how can we make it great for them and we hope it includes a bunch of wins we do you know because that helps with their experience but it's, it's about how we're treating people and what they're getting out of our program 
programs, which is what is most important to me. And again, I didn't think like that when I first started coaching, mm-hmm. but it's, it's about, it's about the impact we make and the, the impact that they make on us and everybody else. So, so good. All right. Last big question I got for you. Best advice you've been given. So like that inner mantra, you always hold on to the best advice, but then what else do you have to offer? Other advice for <laughs> listeners, empty out your pockets for us. Let us know what you got. The best advice advice I've been given uh, was when I took the job at Defiance. And after our first year, like I said, we won five games. Uh, I was miserable. I, I didn't know if this was the job for me. I didn't know if this was the career for me. Um, someone told me, don't let them change who you are. Hmm. And it's posted in my office on my bulletin board because ultimately I have to be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't be somebody that I'm not. And so, like you said, love him or hate him, Woods is going to be Woods. I just yeah. felt like Hurst Walker there. Yeah. I, I felt like Hurst Walker. <laughs> sure. Um, but I, I am who I am. Yeah. I, I told our, I met with our president the other day because I meet, as an athletic director, you meet with the president, right? And so I, I just said, I'm not going to be somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to joke around. I'm still going to have fun. I'm still going to get mad once in a while. But I want to enjoy it. I'm not going to be someone I'm not. Whether I'm in a leadership position as an athletic director, as a head coach, an assistant coach, it doesn't matter. I'm going to be who I am because I want to enjoy it. Because I want to find happiness in everything that I do. So, you know, with that said, my advice to all coaches, and I'm no expert, I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. But you just just have to be yourself. You know, and just because you – you find a new drill or you learn something, it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. It doesn't. Just, you know, at the end of the day, let's find a way to impact our players. Let's find a way to give them a great experience. And, and to me, that's the most important thing about coaching. And with that, you have to keep learning, keep reading, keep listening, keep trying new things. You have to change. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't read the book, Marching Off the Map, I recommend that you read marching off the map because it talks about how to deal, basically how to deal with today's society and the, and the, the people in today's society, because the reality is this. We say this all the time. Or you hear this all the time. Kids have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Kids are so different. They, they can't take getting yelled at. They can't do this. They can't do that. Well, guess what? Kids or players, they're going to continue to change. So we as coaches, have to change with it um, because that's the reality of it. Our society is different than it was when, when I was growing up, you know, when I saw my coach in the hallway, I walked the other way because he scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> sure. You scared the daylights out of me. Now, if I see my players, I better go give them a fist bump. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm, I'm not, I'm not being soft with them, but that's what they need. That's what they need. They need communication. They need that attention. And we can phrase it negatively or we can phrase it positively. Um, they want immediate. Yes, that's a challenge. It's, I call it the microwave society. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they want immediate. When, when, when I was growing up and I wanted to heat up a piece of pizza, I'd throw it in the oven for 10 minutes. You know, I didn't have a microwave. Yeah. Now, you the microwave for 15 seconds is good. Well, society is different. Text messaging, technology, all that stuff is different. So we have to modify it. And, and change with the times. And so um, continuing to learn is, I think, is really, really important in how we motivate today's players. 
you can't treat everybody the same sheets. You know that you yeah. can't treat everybody the same. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but how do you figure that out? And I think Darren Fester talked about this, at the ABCA. Mm-hmm. How do you figure out how to motivate your players? You get to know them. Yeah. It's relationships. You know, sit down with them, talk about something else than ba- other than baseball. And I still have to work on that too, because I think it's, Sometimes I'm like, well, I don't want to pry into their personal life, you know, but they want you to pry in they a little do. bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just sometimes it's uncomfortable for us, but continuing to work on that, I think is really, really important. So, yeah. um, we just have to continue to grow as coaches. And, and, and again, I can't give ABCA enough credit for, for bringing this to the forefront with all these podcasts and all everything that you guys do, because that helps us as coaches learn not only bunt defenses and first and third defenses, yeah. but how to deal with today's players. And, you know, that's the most important. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting who dropped this on our show, but, but I think it's a it's really sound advice when you think about you can't treat them all the same, but you have to treat them all fair. And fair is going to look different to each individual person based on what they're going through, based on their individual situation. But you cannot do that. Like you just said, unless you are in there on a personal level and you know exactly where they stand and what they're what they're trying to overcome. So Woods, man, just absolute, just awesome episode, man. But I do want to do this because there are people out there that listen to this and are gonna to want to connect with you and get in touch and follow you along. So where can people connect with you? Send them to the right places. Yeah, um on Twitter, obviously my my Twitter handle. Is that what it's called? The Twitter handle? Twitter handle, yes, sir. Is it okay? It's, it's at um, Coach Wood sixteen. Um, email is dwoodley at defiance.edu, and I'll give out my cell phone too. It's four one nine nine zero six zero three seven three. I mean, I mean, I'll help out anybody I can, but more, you know, just as important, I, I want to be helped too. So I would love for people to reach out so we can learn together. I'm going to submit your cell phone so you get more telemarketer calls. I figured that's the least I could do for you coming on the podcast and as a good friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I will say this, and, and Jack Warren hit me with this one time. When you do throw out your, your cell phone, you know it's real. So it's it's not my office line. Yeah. Leave me a voicemail. It's my cell. You can get me anytime, text, call, whatever it would be. And certainly would you fall in that category, my friend. Again, I cannot thank you enough for jumping on the show. Just so proud to have men like you that are – so committed to learning, part of the solution, but again, kind of that underbelly of our association that is really looking to do things in a much better way. If we're going to impact our players, we've got to constantly try to impact ourselves and uh, and find new ways to grow and learn. So you're walking the path, my friend, and again, cannot thank you enough for jumping on with us. Derek Woodley, head coach at Defiance College, my friend, thanks for jumping on, and we wish you the best of luck on the trails this summer. Thanks, Jesus. I appreciate it, and I, I can't tell you how, how uh, humbled I am to be on this podcast podcast it's it's an amazing experience and i thank you so much and the abca so much it's been great coaches thanks again for checking out our calls from the clubhouse podcast and another one of our dugout chatter episodes here at the american baseball coaches association our mission is to serve coaches around the world so please let us know how we can help you out head over to our website abca.org If you're looking for more information about our baseball coaching fraternity, you could also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us at ABCA1945. If you want to reach out to me directly, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram at CoachSheets3. 
or shoot me an email at sheets, S-H-E-E-T-S, at abca.org. We would love to hear from our loyal members. We'd even love to hear from some new ones as we continue to find new ways to work together at growing the game of baseball. Huge thanks to the sponsor of these Dugout Chatter episodes, our longtime partners over at Rawlings. So if you want more information about what they're doing for baseball and this association, head over to their website, Rawlings.com. That's Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S.com. And thanks again for your support of this podcast. As always, thanks for listening in and staying dialed into our Calls from the Clubhouse podcast. Until next week, we ask you to keep growing, you keep developing, you keep challenging yourself inside this game. We wish you and your club the very best, and thank you for what you're doing for the game of baseball. Baseball.